Okay, tough today's staff is staff Kuf Gimel in Baba Kamas. We learn Prachenu called Beis Yisrael on a Sumba Sav Shivya and for Kurt's wife, uh, Tamar Chana Bas Frida, who's having a procedure this morning. All right, so um, we're up to the third line in Daf Kuf Gimel. We're in the middle of the story about a um, a person who went and bought something. Lokech went and bought something from the Mocher. And he asked that he should put it in the name of the Reish Galusa, so that nobody will contend with him over this property. Uh, then he requested a uh, another document saying, besides that you sold it to him, give me a document that shows that it sold it to me too, so I can I can prove that it's mine in case the Reish Galusa or his family try to take it away. So we said over there, you can't force him to do that. However, if that was it was stipulated up front, then you could force him. Let's analyze that. Omar Mar. You bought a field in the name, let's say, of the Reish Galusa. You can't force the seller to now give you another star and to, to sell to you again, basically, to give you another star. Well, isn't it obvious? You bought it plain. You said you bought it, you bought it from the Reish Galusa. Why would he give you another document now? Sheet them out. The same time, I think, that the Lokeach, the buyer, can tell the seller. You know very well that I bought it for myself. Why would I buy something for the Reish Galusa? He's got his own money. Uh, you know very well that I bought it for myself. I just was giving myself more protection by putting it in his name so nobody will contest the uh, this property. Right. Right. Well, the fact that he gave him the star mecher is is enough that he doesn't need a receipt. You don't always get a receipt. In other words, when he gave him this the bill of sale, he gave him the invoice. It's what they call an invoice slash receipt. You understand? So he gave him the money, but he could first of all, it's not a kasha because he could have given him the money on behalf of the of the British Galusa. So what? He is he's not arguing about the fact that I give you the money, or I didn't give you the money. He paid for it. No question, he paid for it. But he said he bought it. For the Reish Galusa. So the, the invoice said, I'm selling it to the Reish Galusa. So <clears throat> the question, so he can't ask for another reason. Isn't that obvious? He can't ask for another one. He says, No, I might think must be unrelated. The buyer could tell the seller, You know that I bought it for myself. I was just trying to get more protection. I wouldn't have put my money out for nothing. I'm not going to buy something for him. I, I gave you the money with the understanding that you're going to give me another star in my name, not just the race Galusa's Kamash point. We don't say that. The Omerlay, because the seller could tell him, in I did you a favor. I did a business for you. And the, if, if, together with the one who you claim to bought it, Bishme in his name. Let him write a star for you. I did, we, did a, we did a deal over there. I did a deal for you, and I wrote it in his name because you asked me to write it in his name. Now let him let him write you a star. We already wished you a four shalim, and you come right away. Look how fast that look how fast that worked, right? Okay. So that's why we understand. They can say, listen, uh, you know, you want to get a receipt, or you want to get proof that uh, you bought it in your name. We we bought it. You told us to give it, put it in the name of the of the Reish So we put it in his name. You want to get a document from him? Go to him for a document. I did my I did mine. You got to do yours now. If he said, I'm only buying it on the condition that you're going to give me a document saying also that I bought it from you, then you force the mocher to write it. 
you know, I'm asking for, let me go, if he, if he did it on that condition, you do sell. Pshita, isn't that obvious? If that was the condition, write it, give me a bill of sale that is written out that it's sold to the XOR. In addition, in addition, I'm making a condition that I'm giving you the money on the condition that you're also going to give me another document, 9A. Isn't that obvious? Let's read it. The Amr Lahu Lasadi Kamei Day. What happened was, is while he was buying, when he bought it, he told the witnesses to the deal that I'm going to want another document that is written in my name, not just in the Reish Galusa's name. Chazu Kabina. Be careful. Look, look, I want another star. It's not just one star. I want the other star. Mao, the same. I might think must be Amrle. The seller can say, Amina star comrade. I thought that you went, you want to get another document from the Reish Galusa, not from me. Right? When you said to them that you want another document, besides the one that's written out, that the invoice is written out to the Reish Galusa, you want another document written out in your name, I thought you meant you're going to go to him to get it. We don't say that. The the buyer could say, that's why I troubled myself. I told the Adam in front of you. That's why, why did I tell the Adam in front of you? If I'm going to go get another document from the Exilarch, why would I bother telling it to the Adam in front of you? The reason I told the Adam in front of you is because I want you to give me such a document. So it comes out that in this case, when you bought something in the name of the Reish Galusa, and you bought it stam. Then afterwards, you want another invoice written out in your name. You can't force the seller to give you that. But if that was the condition, then you could force it. Rav Kana, now a story now. We're still dealing with this issue that came up yesterday that the Bnei Marava said about Rabbi Yochanan's interpretation of Rabbi Yehuda, uh, that uh, Rabbi Yehuda held that uh, the Shinu is not Kona, and, uh, but yet he didn't follow the instructions. If he told if the seller, if the uh, the Balabais told him to buy wheat and he bought barley, etc., he didn't follow his instructions. Um, and uh, but so he, he doesn't share in the losses, but he would share in the gain. But how how does the uh, seller sell it to the uh, buyer if the, he didn't know that the buyer is buying it? He didn't know that the Balabais is, is getting the is getting the uh, is is involved in the transaction over here. So that issue is going to come up now in this next story. That's why this next story is brought down here. Story like this, Rav Kana, Yob Zuzak Kisna. He bought some flax. He paid down, paid some money for some flax. And he bought it, uh, you know, from the, uh, the Kana was the purchaser, and he bought it from the Mocha, the seller. Lesov, Iker Kisna. Now, what happened was, is that he didn't quite take possession yet. And meanwhile, the price of the flax went up. It went up after it belonged to Rav Kana, apparently. Zavne Marvisa the Kisna. So the original owner, the seller who sold him the flax, it was still, in other words, we'll see later on that it's speaking about where he put the money down now to get the flax later. Meanwhile, the price of the flax went up, and the original owner of the flax, the flax uh, farmer, we'll call him, also came as uh, 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 he sold it. In other words, Ravkana bought the flax. Let's say it was worth $100. He put $100, he put $100 worth of flax. That flax went up in value to two hundred dollars, and the owner, who had still who, who had possession still of the flax, sold it to somebody else on behalf of Rav Kana in order to give Rav Kana the two hundred dollars. And Rav Kana made money on the deal, right? It's like you bought a stock at a hundred, went up, and uh, you didn't even tell the uh, the broker, and it went up to two hundred, and he sold it for you. Okay, now Rav Kana though was concerned: is it ribbit? <coughs> Why? Because he didn't really take possession. Also, came for Rav, Amr Lay, so Rav said like this. My, my Avid 
my my he came for a robin rob he asked rob my other what should i do should i take the money now i bought it for a hundred and i never really uh took possession now it went up to 200 so it's like i put down a hundred and i'm getting 200 it's like i'm getting revit said like this if when the owner the original owner of the the farmer we'll call him the flax farmer when he sold the flax on your behalf he Zabni, when he sold it, Amri, he said, Hi, kiss of the Kanu. I'm selling you Kana's flax. Kana bought this for me a while back. He paid 100 Not important, but he paid 100 Now I'm selling it to you. The price went up. Selling it to some new purchaser for 200 If he said, I'm selling you Kana's flax, so <coughs> he was just acting as your agent. You bought it for 100 It went up to 200 He sold it. There's no problem that you could take your 200 You could take your 200 Zilch gold, take the money. Be low. But if he didn't say, I'm selling you Kahanas, right? He didn't say that. He just went and sold it. Low Tishko. You shouldn't take it because it looks like ribbon. Okay. So the Gemara now says, this is how it's related to our Gemara. Come on, come Marava. Is this like the people in the people from Eretz Yisrael, the army, they said, who told the owner of the Chitin to sell the Chitin to the Balamos? And others here too. <coughs> in this case, if he didn't tell uh, if he didn't tell the purchaser that it's Kahana's, so it looks like Kahana put some money down, and now that money became 200. It's like he's getting rebid. Are you saying it like that? As the says, no, it's not comparable at all. Even if he didn't know, even if the new purchaser did not know that it's Kahana's, me, Yoav, Ravkana, Arba, Vishakal, didn't they? Did Ravkana put down 400 in order to get 800? Did he, was he doing a transaction? Did he lend money? Did he lend out 400 and got 800 back? Kiss the Mamelud Iker. The the fly the, and as he didn't get what we call rebit. The definition of rebit is is getting money for the time value, right? For that's what that's rebit is. Here it's not like he put down four hundred and uh, a few months later he's getting eight hundred. So you could say he's getting interest usury. No, what happened over here was he bought the flax and the flax went up and the flax went up in price. Megzel Gazlua when the it really belonged to. Rav Kana, he bought down the money and it was his flax. And what happened was that the original flax farmer, he stole it, right? It belonged to Kahana. He stole it and sold it. Okay, afterwards he did him a favor. He gave him the money, but he stole it. That's what we learned at the beginning of this parrot. All Gazlanim paid according to the time they stole it. When did he steal it? When he sold it. When he sold it to the new purchaser for 200 Well, at that point it was worth 200 So he's entitled to it. So what kind of what kind of a case is this? What difference does it make if if the if he if the other guy knew who the owner was or not? Rav Kana didn't uh, put down four hundred. Say, listen, here's four hundred, and later on give me back uh, give me back uh, eight hundred. It wasn't a case of rebid. It was simply a case of uh, he bought something and it went up in value. Amri. So he said, here's what happened over there. Amri Hosam Amonahavoy. It was it was a purchase on trust, meaning the guy that the flax farmer didn't have the flax at the time. That Kahana gave him the hundred dollars. The original deal, he didn't have it yet. It was going to grow, but he made a deal. They make a deal like this: if you pay early, you'll get it at the low price. If you pay later, you'll get it when the when it's all grown and it costs more money. Then he had never he had never made a Kenyan. He never pulled made a Kenyan on the flax, right? But Rav Tamei Rav was like this: I'm a Rav Osan. I'm a Rav If you give money early in the season. For fruits and at the low price, and the fruits go up in price. 
so that when you get the fruits later on, that you know you 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 really made a, a good purchase. Is that rebid? You paid now at this price, and you're getting it back when the price is higher. So you've made something. That's okay. That's not really rebid. You just paid early, and in return for paying early, uh, you got a lower price, and the payers go up. However, if instead of the price a payers, you get money. In other words, I bought $100 worth of payers. Uh, they're going to be worth 200 later on, but they're worth 100 right now. I, I, I paid 100 right now at the low price. Later on, I'm going to get the same fruits when they're worth 200. You can do that if you get the fruits, but if it's converted to money and he gives you money instead, you put down $100 now, right? And for $100 worth of payers. And then when the payers are worth 200, you're supposed to get the payers, but the guy says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you money instead. That looks like rebid. It's not really rebid because real rebid is I'm lending you money. I'm lending you $100 and give me back 110 Over here, it's for a purchase, but it looks like rebid because I gave you 100 At the end, you're giving me back 200 So, so it looks like rebid. That's simply, that's that's simply a purchase that you bought. Like you bought goods. I bought goods. I bought a shirt for $100. Now it went up in value at 150 and I sold it. That's a legitimate business. Nothing wrong with that. But if instead of, if, but if I paid $100 for a shirt and the guy says, uh, I paid $100 now, he says, you know what? I'll give you the shirt in two months when it'll be worth $150. And then when it comes to giving me the shirt, you say, I'll tell you what, instead of the thing, I'll give you $150, that looks like rebid. And that's what he said over here too. So that's why he said, if he told you that he's selling you, uh, they selling you Kahana's flax, then you could take it. Otherwise it looks like rebid because you're getting cash back. You put it was cash for cash. You put down cash and you got cash back in return. It's, I just, not really it's not really rebid. It's not really rebid. It's the right stuff. Most of the rebid that we talk about that, that um, you know, this, that, uh, that's forbidden, it's not really rebid to Orisa. Rebid to Orisa is really simply where you bought, you know, you, 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 you let money, you get it back. Like a loan, like a mortgage. That, that would be that. Okay, in the beginning of a year, this is a we're, we're now at the Mishnah on Dafkuf Gimel Aleph. For those joining us late, and um, the, the I want to quote the pasuk first. Um, we'll see the pasuk. This is in Parakei of Vayikra. It says like this: Nefesh ki sechto Hashem. A person sins. He denies that he owes him money. Ruvain <laughs> got from Shimon, let's say, a deposit. Shimon deposited. Uh, some money with Reuben, a picadon, and he denies it. Or he was given, let's say, it as a loan or some to do some business with it. And he was given the money legitimately. And now he denies it. Oh, because I actually stole it. Oh, Asha Kasamito, like he, he, he withheld his wages. And he denies it. She denies it. Or he found an item and he denied that, uh, that it was, you know, he found somebody's lost item and he denies that he has it. He swore falsely. Now, it's one thing to deny it, right? Uh, you, t- you have some money. I have your money, and I deny it. And Adam come and say, I have your money, so I have to give you the money back. But if I deny it and I swear falsely about it, and now when I admit it afterwards, not only do I have to pay back what I stole from you, but I have to add on 
20% or 25% actually, it's 20% milgab, and bring a carbon. That's what we call Hasham Deos. Every morning in Kabbalah, we say there's five Hashamas. One of them is Hasham That's Hasham Deos. You stole it. So you got to pay it itself. That's 20% for me. What we call me. Yaron 25%. To the one who you owe the money. On the day of your guilt. You got to bring a carbon. That's the end of the first of Vayikra, of the uh, Sedra Vayikra, the beginning of Vayikra, in the Perakeh and Vayikra. So that's what the Pusik says. So again, when do you have to add on 25% and bring a carbon? If you swore falsely about it, not only do you deny it, but you swore falsely about it, and then you admitted it. Now, if you never admitted it, there's Adam against you, so uh, you don't have to pay. But the idea of the Asham, the Asham and the 25%, the fine of the extra 25% and bringing a carbon, is only if you swore falsely and then you admitted it. Now, now our mission, let's, let's see our mission. Goes as Chaver Shavaputa, any amount, right? Any amount. Shavaputa is the minimal amount of money, less than that's not considered money. So you stole some money from somebody. The Nijbalo, <coughs> now you swore to him that you don't have it. You swore that you didn't steal it. And afterwards, you're Moda, you're Moda. Now, it's okay. So, of course, you're Moda. So, you learned already, you got to pay the 25%, you got to bring the carbon. But the mission says a big You have to get, make sure he gets the money. You have to take him even across the world. You better make sure he gets his money back because the Pusik says, So you better make sure he gets the money. Not enough, don't just leave it in his mailbox or write him a check and mail it or give it to his kids or anything like that. No, you got to make sure he gets the money. So it goes as That's the big chiddush of the mission. You got to schlep it there, no matter what. You have to make sure. Rashi says, Right? Uh, uh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, the one, the one who you owe it to, you got to give it to him. So that's the pasuk I just quoted. Yo, You got to take the money. To the person you stole it from. You mean the Gazlan? The Gazlan, the Gazlan, you gotta take it in. You gotta go, because it says, La Sher Hulo, again, the post we just quoted, La Sher Hulo, the one that you owe the money to, that he owns the money, Nenu, you have to give it to him directly. The Omash was on the day of your guilt. Okay, so that's the Kirsh Mishnah. Lo Yitin no, don't give it to his son. Let's say he gave it to his son and it didn't and it didn't reach him. The son had an accident, lost the money. You haven't fulfilled your obligation because the post says over here in this case. We swore falsely and then you admit it. You got to make sure he gets the money. Blow the not to his messenger. Okay, but the rabbis made a dispensation that let's say, now here you know who you stole the money from. This is what's going to be important. Where's going to make this difference? You stole the money from this guy and you swore and then you admit it and all that. Yeah, you got to give him the money. However, let's say you owe him $5 and it's going to cost you $200 just to reach his cities in LA or he's in some other place. Then you can give it to a shliach besan and besan will eventually he'll get the money from besan. That's okay too. Then Mace, if the guy died, Yachloshim, you got to give all the money to his children. because that's the only way. You know, that's the only way you really fulfill your 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 obligation, and you the only way you'll get a kapara is if you make sure that he gets the money either directly. If he dies, give it to his children, or if it's too far away and it's too expensive, give it to the court. Now let's say he paid the Karen. 
Cameron is the principal amount. Let's take our case. Let's say he stole $100, right? He's got to pay him how much? $125. Let's say he paid him the $100. He didn't give him the extra $25 yet. Or let's say for some reason, the guy says, you know, I'm Mokhlo, you don't pay me the $100. Just give me the fine, the 25%. <laughs> or Mokhlo, as I say, or he, he, he relieved him of everything. He forgave the whole debt. Except you still owe me less than Sheva Puta. I'm the whole thing. Then there's no reason to run after him. In other words, you only have to go after him. You only have to run after him all the way to Madai. In other words, go to far away place, make sure you pay him. Only if you owe him the Karen. If all you owe him is the Chomesh, the extra 25%, uh, then you don't have to run after him. Or if the amount of the Karen is less than a penny, right? We're talking about it's a hundred, you owe him a hundred dollars. If you if it's if it's uh, if the amount of the debt is only is less than a penny, you don't have to go. Let's say the other way around. You gave him the 25%. I'll tell you what, I owe you the fine. I'll give you the fine first. I didn't pay the hundred dollars yet. Or Still owes him the Karen. But he still owes him at least one penny out of the hundred dollars. In other words, as long as you still owe him some Karen, then you got to run after him all the way to, to Monday. Okay. Now that's the deal. Now, again, why? Because you swore falsely about this amount of money that you stole from him, that you misappropriated from him, and then you admitted it. So then the rules come into effect, the 25% fine and the carbon. Let's say he paid back the $100 after this whole thing, after he swore falsely and admitted it. He paid the $100 yet. He didn't pay the Chomish, but he claims he did. Now he swore falsely about the extra 25%. That twenty that that's that that twenty five percent now becomes a new Karen. This is an this is another round of swearing falsely, and then he admitted, then he admitted after he swore falsely, he admitted that he owes him the twenty five dollars. Let's call that right. So now, how much does he owe? He, he, he owes another he owes another twenty five percent of that, another seven and a half. Exactly right. Another uh, what is it? It says six and a quarter, isn't it? It's another six and a quarter. Twenty-five percent of twenty-five is not seven and a half. Is uh, six and a quarter, I think, right? Okay. Anyway, he owes him another twenty-five percent on top of that. Okay. Now, Arizim Sham Chomesh, Allah Chomesh, he pays twenty-five percent on the twenty-five percent. And this will go on and on. Let's say then he pays him the twenty-five dollars that he admitted, right? Right. And then he says the other six and a quarter. I I I paid you. I swore falsely about that. And again, he admitted that. So he's got to add another 25% all the way down until the amount of the Karen is less than a penny. Okay, that's the okay, you know, that's the rule of swearing falsely and then admitting it. You the saving Every time he's bringing Ashim, correct. He's it's another round. Here. <laughs> no, he's, he's losing his shirt, right? He's losing his shirt. You're right. It's another round. People come besides the kapara, he's got to make sure he returns it to him. It's all day. Whatever is the Karen, he has to return. He has to make sure he makes all the effort to return the money all the way. We'll see. There are cases when you don't have to make such an effort to return it, right? Uh, but uh, that's what we're talking about over here. But the same thing, whether it was a, whether he stole it, I mentioned since I goes over, but the same thing applies to uh, if he was given it and given it legitimately, he got into his hands legitimately as a as a uh, deposit, Shinemar, whether it's a deposit of Sumasyad, or Sumasyad uh, means he got the money legitimately, either a loan or he gave it to him to invest for him, whatever. 
Oh, Begezel, or Shekasamiso, or he didn't pay his uh, wages, whatever. Or Matzah or he found the lost item of the fellows, the Kifich, and he denied it. Benishbal Shekhar, Areza Misham Karen, Bechomish Vashem. That's the rule. You pay the principal the extra 25%, and you bring an Oshem. Okay. Now, so it says on our mission, Nishbalof, he swore all the supplies that he has to slip all the way around, he swore falsely by Nishbalof, and he loans below. But if he didn't swear about it, he just denied it, then apparently he wouldn't have to go all the way to Mada. He wouldn't have to slip all the way. Money, who does this go? Like lower of Tarf and lower of Akiva. We have a famous machlok between Tarf and Rebekiva. And the Gemara is going to try to say first that it goes like Rebekiva because usually the Mishnayists go like Rebekiva. Rashi says that Rebekiva Mikar, we're trying to say Rebekiva Mishim, all the all Stam Mishas, all anonymous Mishas are basically according to Rebekiva. We say Stam Mishas are mayor, but a mayor was a Talmud or Rebekiva. Basically, it goes according to Rebekiva's sheet. Okay. So the Chara, this Mishnah doesn't go like Reb Tafim or like Reb Kiva. Why? Because our Mishnah says when you have to schlep all the way there, only if you swore falsely about it. Besides the Ashim and the 25%, you got to make sure he gets it. You got to take it all the way to his hand. Chara, the Mishnah doesn't go like Reb Tafim or like Reb Kiva. Tanya, we learned this famous case. You stole from one of five people. There were five people at a conference, and while they were having their 10 o'clock break for Danish and coffee, you stole one of their went into their pocket and stole one one of their money money from one of them right you don't know which one you took it from you know you went to you checked all their coats right and you took the money out of one you don't know who you took it from uh, now you now you you regret it you want to admit it everybody says you took it from me everybody says it was my money because you know they didn't know how much money they had in their wallet everybody says you took it from me how do you solve this problem you only stole, let's say again, $100, but you don't know who you took it from. And everybody claims it was my money. So what do you do? Remember says, you know what? Leave the $100 there and let them fight it out. That's what Ruth Tarpin says. You only stole $100. What am I supposed to do? I, I don't know who I took it from. I admit it. I, I, here's the money. You guys fight it out. This doesn't absolve you, take you away from the Avera, because you you have an obligation. You have the obligation to return it to the owner. If you don't know who the owner is, you're such an idiot for stealing it in the first place and then and then admitting it, and now you don't know who you stole it from. How how are you making good on your on your uh, uh, on your uh, uh, you know robbery? How did you do this? That's not going to solve you from Avera. You got to pay each of them hundred dollars because you don't know who did it. Now it would be very nice if one of them said I was the one, and the other ones uh, say it wasn't me. Then it's fine. And, then it's a simple case. We don't need the Gemara for that. Here we're talking about a case where everybody says it was theirs, and you don't know what to do. Reb Tarfin says it's not your problem. Put the money down. Let them fight it out. Reb Kiva says that's not that's that's a nice answer, but that's not going to absolve you of your atonement you, you, to be atoned to be properly atoned. You got to return the money. Now we're assuming over here that there is no uh, that there is no uh, nobody swore here money. If it goes like Reb Tarfin, if our mission would be Reb Tarfin. Apparently, Reb Tarfin Lachora would hold, which we're assuming was now, even though you swore, even though the person swore, right, that he didn't take it first. First, he stole it. Then he swore that he didn't take it. Even if he swore, just leave the money there. Reb Tarfin says, you're, you're way out of the situation. Just leave the money. Let them fight. So why our Mishnah says, if you swore falsely, then you have to take the money and make sure he gets it. Who does our Mishnah go like? Does go like Reb Tarfim. Tarfim says, even if you swore, apparently Reb Tarfim would say, even if you swore, just leave the money there. You don't have to go give it back to the guy. Leave the money there and let them fight it out. Even Reb Kiva, if it goes like Reb Kiva, Avigav the Lo 
even though you didn't swear, because you need a kapara. So if you didn't swear. So who, who is it in our Mishnah who says, if you swore and then you admitted it, you swore falsely and then you admitted it, then you have to make sure it gets into his hands. Even if you swore, you don't have to put it in his hands. And according to Bekiva, even if you didn't swear, you have to make sure he gets it back. So who does Amisha go like? So the Gemara first says, Maybe when Rabbi Kiva said, you have to pay each and every one back, it's only where he swore. Who the Gemara? My time. In this case, where you swore falsely and then you admitted it to the one who you owe the money to, then it'll be Yomash, so you have to give it to him. Maybe, in other words, even when Rabbi Kiva says, you have to make sure you get the money back, that's not going to take you out of sin and you have to pay each one of them back the $100, all five of them, Maybe that's only when you swore falsely. Rab Tarfan says, no, I forgot the Shtabai. Rab Tarfan says, I don't care. Even if you swore falsely, in other words, why? Just like the Rabbana made a Takana in our Mishnah. What did they make a Takana in our Mishnah? That if it's too far, if it's going to cost you $500 to return a $5 stealing, you can just give it to the court. Well, the same way, the Rabbana made a Takana here where it's a Suffolk. You don't know who you took it from. The Rabbana made a Takana for you here also. right? Rashi says that the Takana Shavim to encourage you to do chuba, You know, if you say, like a Bikiva, I got to return $100 to each of the five, I'm walking away from here. I'm not doing that, right? So in order to encourage you to do chuba, put the $100 down that you stole. It's not your money. Let them fight it out. Yeah, we're talking about, yeah. Uh, um, right, right, right. So, um, so according, according to, if we're speaking about, where you, so we're assuming that they were talking about where they didn't swear. But Rav Tarfan is saying, even though you swore, fine, you swore, so you'll bring a carbon, right? And you'll add 25%, but you could just put it down here and let them fight it out. That, that's what Rav Tarfan would say. Rav Tarfan, I've got the shtab, but Rav Takanta, the time Rav Lazar, Rav Tzadok, Rav Tzadokomer, the Rav made a, a big, uh, you know, they made a reform, a, a uh, rule, she'em ha'isa, so you say, that if the expenses to return the money, to schlep all the way to Los Angeles to return the money was more than the principal that you stole. You pay the to the court, or maybe you bring your carbon to loan. that's you get your kapar, that's good enough. That's good enough. That's all you need to do. Okay, so just like the Rabbana made a takana that you can, give it the, the, uh, the, you can give the money to the court, the same way they made a takana, that's what Rashi is saying here, that the kind of shav mahach the masafka, just like they made it to kind of then made it off the sagle leave it there. Kiritanya abraban gabigozel. Let's say you can't find the nixel right now. Give it to the court. That's good enough. So the same thing made it to kind of just leave the money here. Good enough. Okay. So at this point we want to say that who does our mishnah go like Rabbi Kiva? Rabbi Kiva says you got to return it to each one of them. When maybe it's only when you swore. So our mishnah says if you swore falsely, you got to make sure you get the money to him. Who is that? That's Rabbi Kiva who says you got to make sure everybody. You got to do a proper ashava. Make sure the money gets into his hands. And maybe that means only when you swore. But if you didn't swear, maybe we keep it up. Rabbanan, Rabbanan say, Kiyah, but Rabbanan takana, when did Rabbanan make a takana, that what? You can give it back to the court, where you know who you stole it from. You're giving money back. When you know you stole it from this guy, right? Not, not the, like in our mission, where you know you stole it from a certain guy and you denied it and then you admit it. And it's too expensive. It's too cost too much to return the money to him. Give it to the court because he'll get it back eventually. The court is acting just as a depository. You're giving the money back to the owner. He'll get it back. But in case we were arguing, where you stole from one of five, that you don't know who you stole it from, 
You can't give the money. You can't just leave the money on the table there and give it to the court. What's that going to help? That's not going to help solve the problem. Well, they didn't make it to cut in the case and you have to return it. So at this point, we're saying that our mission goes like a Bikiva. But Bikiva says when you stole money from one of five, from one of five, what do you have to do? You have to return it to each one. That's speaking about where you swore. Where you swore falsely, do you need a proper kapara? You got to return it to each one. That's what Shatan's on our mission is. You got to, just like Rabbi Kibbutz is here, you have to return it to each one. So Rabbi Kibbutz says in our Mishnah, you have to make sure the money gets into his hand. The Rabbana didn't make it to kind of just give it to the court. Giving it to the court is fine when you know who you stole it from. But here you don't know who you stole it from, so you got to make sure it gets into his hands. That's what, that's, that, that you got to pay to each, each, and every, each, one of the, each one of the five. That's what Rabbi Kibbutz is talking about. But again, so we're saying now our Mishnah goes like Rabbi Kibbutz. Muslim Rapuna of Yehuda, we're gonna, now going to prove that there's a problem if you say the Mishnah goes like Rabbi Kibbutz. Who apparently argued, right, in the case of where you stole from one of five people, uh, the Tarfan says, just leave the money there, and Rabbi Kiva says, you got to pay each one. They don't argue, let's say you bought it from one of five stores. Not that you stole something. You bought something from one of five stores. You don't know who you bought it from, and you want to pay. There, Rabbi Kiva also agrees with Rabbi Tarfin, just leave the money there. You bought it from one of five vendors. You don't know who you bought it from. So you didn't do a, did you sin over here? Did you do some terrible, no, you didn't do a crime. You went into a store, you bought it from one of five, and you're not sure who you bought it from. And they all claim that it's from them. So there, you can just leave the money there. You sinned. You stole from one of them. If we're saying, where does Rabbi Kiva say this business that you have to pay each of the five where you swore? Well, if what's it, if it's if you swore falsely, what's the if you stole if you bought or if you stole? If you look at you bought something, you say, okay, I didn't I didn't sin. But if I swore falsely about it, that means I did sin. So what's the difference if I purchased it or I stole? Either way, I swore falsely, knowingly, and then I admitted it. it I, I went into the store and I bought something, right? Five people, five vendors say, hey, you bought it from me. And I swear falsely, right, that I didn't buy it from them. I swear falsely I didn't buy it from them, right? I, I don't know who I, I'm saying it, but, but first, it's not speaking where I... I, I don't know. I don't know who I bought it. The truth is, I don't know who I bought it from, right? But I first swore falsely and said I didn't buy it from any of you. And then he admitted it. And then he admitted it. So if you if you swore falsely, you're a sinner, whether you make whether your original deal was a purchase or whether it was exayla. So what's the difference? If we're saying Rabbi Kiva only says you have to pay back, what's going on over here? Rabbi Kiva says you stole from one of five people, you don't know who you stole from, you got to pay each back. Now we're saying, okay, our mission speaks, it goes like Rabbi Kiva, and Rabbi Kiva's talking about where you swore about it, right? Rabbi Kiva didn't say that you pay back all five if you didn't swear. You only have to pay back all five if you swore falsely about it. Okay, right? So our mission go like Rabbi Kiva because you swore falsely. Ah, but if if you're talking about, we say, according to this uh, Rabbi Shimon Lazar, he says that there's no machlokas by a purchase, only by exela. But if Rabbi Kiva's only talking about where you swore falsely about it, that's his whole thing. What's the difference if you stole, if you stole, or you purchased? Either way, you swore Either falsely. Way you stole. Pardon? Either way, you stole. Either way, you stole because you swore falsely. The sin is for swearing falsely. When you swore falsely, that's what the partial says. When you swore falsely about it, then you admitted 
then you have to pay. So over here, what's the difference? Makes a difference if it was exhaled. The mission says by Gazel, Ben Sumasiad, you know, Ben Oshakizamito. If you swore falsely, that's why you have to pay. So if Rabbi is only saying that you have to uh that you have to pay each of the five, you know, make sure that the person you stole from got his money, like our Mishnah, and like over there, it's only where you swore falsely. What's the difference if it was a purchase or not? Elamai must be. That Rabbi Kiva didn't say that you have to pay back on five only based on what you swore, even if you didn't swear that. So if you didn't swear, if you purchased something and you don't know who you bought it from, so it's enough to say leave it there and let them pick it up. Just like you said, I didn't swear anything about it. I just don't know. But when you but when you stole something, when you stole something, then because you're a bad boy, you got to make sure it's returned, even if there was no shvua. That's apparently Rabbi Kiva's not saying. So we want to say our mission goes like Rabbi Kiva says that you that our mission speaking about where you our mission says that when you swore, then you have to make sure he gets it back. That goes like Rabbi Kiva, and maybe Rabbi Kiva's only talking about where you swore. Here you see Rabbi Kiva's talking about where you didn't swear, because if you swear, if you swore, what's the difference between zela and and uh, and purchase? It's the same thing. But Ogmas of Rabbi now Rabbi has another kasha from a story not like Rabbi Lazar of Shimon, but another point. He bought something from one of two people. He's not sure who he bought it from. You know, it was like a bazaar, and you picked up something, and people don't have a get, and, you know, it's not in the computer with the inventory and all that. He bought it from, he's not sure who he took it from. Rabbi Tarfin said, leave the money there, let them fight it out. You walk away. Your only remedy is to pay each and each one of them. Now over there, we saw that the mishdabe for because he's only talking about where you swore. Chassid being mishdabe does the chassid swear as chassid doesn't swear. A chassid wouldn't make such shvua, right? Means with b'shikah he would make it swear, but he wouldn't swear falsely. Chassid being mishdabe b'shikah would he swear falsely? Now in this case, in this case, uh, he uh, um, Reb Lazar Reb Shimon said. Right, Rabbi Lazar Shimon said that Rabbi Kiva would say in a case of a purchase that he also agrees that you could just leave your money there. In this story, in the story of this story here with Rabbi Kiva and the Chassid, it's clear that Rabbi Kiva holds even in a case of a purchase, you have to make good. So the two stories don't go together. This this story here, the story that Rabbi is bringing down, does not agree with Rabbi Lazar Shimon. But from both cases, you see that Rabbi Kiva is not talking about where you swore. When Rabbi Kiva says that you have to return the money to each of the five when you stole from one of five people. It's not where you where you swore, because if you swore, the same thing would be whether you bought it. And from this story, you see, it says a story with the Chassid who bought from one of two people, and he's not sure. Rabbi Tarfin said, just leave the money and leave. Rabbi Kiva says, no, you're not, you're, you don't have, you're not, you're not remedied, you're not fixed until you pay each and every one. No, if and if it's speaking about where you swore, a Chassid wouldn't swear falsely. Maybe he swore before he became a Chassid. <laughs> Maybe he swore and then he did true, but then he became a Chassid. Whenever the Gemara talks about a story with a great, with a very pious person, it's oh Rabbi ben Baba. It's either the time Rabbi Baba or Rabbi Rabbi It's not Rabbi Rabbi Loi. It's not Rabbi Rabbi Loi. It's Rabbi Rabbi It's one of those people. Rabbi Rabbi Baba. Rabbi Loi used to rabbi Rabbi Loi. Chasim Rikarv. They were Chasim originally. They weren't Balichuva. So it can't be speaking about you made a shul over here. So you can't say that it's going like our mission is going like Rabbi Kiva, and Rabbi Kiva is only talking about that you have to return it, make sure that it gets into the hands of the person of the Nigzal uh, only when you swore. Even when you didn't swear, Rabbi Kiva says that. Elolim or Tarfan. So Gemara says, no, maybe our mission really goes like Rabbi Tarfan, who says, just leave the money here. Maybe Rabbi Tarfan says, just leave the money and walk away. Leave the money if you're not sure you took it from. That's when you didn't swear. But if you swore, you got to make sure the money you guys, my time. The one who belongs to you, you got to pay him on the day of your of your guilt. 
Rabbi Kiva would say, even though you didn't swear, it's a canals. You've got to make sure everybody gets paid back to get a kapara. So the Gemara says, okay, you want to say, it goes like Rabbi Even when you swore, you want to say, our mission goes like Rabbi Kiva, like Rabbi Tarfan. But even when you swore, you still have to be moda in order for there to be a chiva of a carbon and 25%, etc. So my Ishba, what do you have to swear for? I feel below shvua. Why do you have to say that he swore? I feel below shvua. Tanya Motor of Tarfan. Rab Tafan himself says, when he tells two people, I stole from one of you, I stole $100 from one of you, I don't know who, from which one I stole from you, somebody's got to pay each one. So Rab Tafan is, if you're motor, even without a shul, you have to pay each one. Shikfar hold them if they ask because he's motor bibiatsma. If a man comes over and says, listen, I stole from one of two of you, right? This Rab Tafan says, I know I stole from one of two of you, I'm not sure which one, I got to pay back each one. So what do you say? You still have motor the kapara the shavan the kapara and the extra twenty five percent. Right? You still have to be motor. But if you're motor, what do you have to swear for? Rabbi Kiv, Rabbi Tarfin himself says, "Almost shnayim gazalti echem mikem mana beni odem eiz mikem." No one's that money. You got to pay each one shikvar hora. Once you're motor yourself, right? Once you're motor yourself, you have to pay back each one. Does this go against what Rabbi Tarfin said before? The chori yes. The tiny gazal echem mechamish beni odem eiz malak. You're you're okay there. See, there, each one is saying, you owe me the money. Each one, they're, they're also, somebody's lying over there, right, by the five guys, right? So there he says, good enough, let them fight it out. But over here, each one, did, they're not saying anything. He, he, he says, I stole money from one of two of you, and I don't know which one. See, and they don't know, so you got to pay back each one. So what do you have to swear for? Elo Marava. So in other words, in our mission, it would work even if it wasn't a shvua. You'd still have to pay back each one. Elo Marava. In other words, you have to make sure you pay back each one that you have to go to Madai either one. The whole question is, why does Amisha say, if you, this happened, you got to go all the way to Madai? According to Bakiva, even if you didn't swear, you'd have to pay him back. And according to Tarfan, apparently, if you're Moda, also you would have to pay him back each one. Elam Rabba, Shani Mastis, and the Kiva, the Yodalaman Gosley, and Amisha is different. Why? Because since he, know who he since he knows and Amisha who he stole it from, but Odalain, he's Moda to him that I owe you the money. Kiva, the Eshla, Durim, Mamona, Lamari, since it's possible to return the money. It's as if he said, okay, fine. You're holding the money from me. You admit that you owe the money. So I owe you the money. I'm the goslin, and I admit that I stole it from you now. And now it's as if he's telling him, if, if he doesn't pay him cash right on the spot, then uh, of course, then there's no problem there. But here we're saying this idea that you have to go all the way to mother and pay him back. Since he was motored to him, it's as if he says, okay, fine. You'll pay me the money when you get a chance. You know, I, I, my money is in your hands and you'll pay me the money. Hilkach, Therefore, we say Nishba, if he swore off of the Kamali, even though he says, okay, keep you have my, my money's in your hands. It's a deposit right now. If he swore, even though he says, you fine, it'll be in your hands. Keep it the boy Kapara, since he needs a Kapara for swearing falsely. Losagi, it's enough. Adamata's got to make sure he doesn't get a Kapara until he reaches the guy's hands. Hello, Ishtaba, but if he didn't swear, he can come and take it. In other words, like this when a man says, if he didn't swear, you know, I mission go like either one. Both like Reb Tarfin and Reb Kiva. Reb Tarfin and Reb Kiva arguing when he didn't swear at all. Well, he didn't swear at all. Reb Tarfin says you just leave the money there and that's good enough. Uh, Reb Kiva says no, you got to pay back each one. But our mission it says over here is where he knows who he stole it from, and he says, listen, I stole the money from you, and I have to return it to you. Okay, you'll return it to me. If he didn't swear falsely about it, he just he just stole it. Now he admits it. Okay, he'll return the money to him when he gets a chance. He doesn't have to go all the way there. He doesn't have to go to L.A. to return the money. It's a bakadin until he comes and takes the money. I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll collect the money one day. But if he swore falsely about it, he needs a kapara. 
and he won't get his kapara until it reaches his hands. And that's why the mission says he must make sure that he gets all the way into his hands. It says Rashi in the third line, Elam Rav, Masisin Devei Akal Mishigol, like everybody. Below Dami, Le'en Yodei. It's not like a case where a power from a garden where he doesn't know. Whether he swore or didn't swear, who to plead Rabbi Tafra Bekiva? So whether you swore or not, you don't have to return to all the way to him, whether you swore or not, where you don't know who he took it from. Even though you didn't swear, you're not Yosei. He knows who he took it from. The Mizumun is ready to pay back. So therefore, when I admit that I have, I have the money, oh, by the way, you're back in LA, I admit that I stole the money from you. Okay, fine. So I'm holding your money. It's like a big cut and come and collect it one day. But if I swore falsely about it, then I need a kapara and it's my job. It's the Goslin's job to make sure he gets the money. If he didn't swear falsely about it, then, it's, then the Goslin hands up the cut from the Nigzel and the Nigzel can collect it whenever he gets a chance. All right, we'll pick up the two dots tomorrow, Mr. Shem. Have a good day, everybody.